This is the Wheel of Time podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about the Wheel of Time, Episode 8, The Eye of the World. It's true, isn't it? What they say about Manuk and Channel, that eventually they go so mad they kill everyone they've ever loved. It is. I have a favour to ask you. Just one. Tell them I died here. Tell them I didn't make it back. I cannot lie. You'll work out a way. You owe me that much. Where will you go? Goodbye, Moraine. back fellow wheelers it has been a bit of a time an age has passed you may say this is the wheel of time podcast on tv podcast industries and we are talking about the finale of season one of the wheel of time episode eight the eye of the world i am one of your hosts chris and hark do i hear coming through the blight yes my fellow podcast hosts have returned from the COVID blight, and they are with us today. Mm-hmm. Yes, hello there, fellow wheelies. I'm one of your hosts, John. And I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Yes, we have returned and are about to discover whether we can still podcast after being off for longer than we've been <laughs> in about four years. <laughs> and if you mean that the blight is trying to reorganize flights with Ryanair, well, mm. then yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I wouldn't put any blame on Ryanair. Though. No, not so. Mostly all. on the Irish government and their requirements for getting back into the country. But do want to say a huge thank you to our wonderful fellow defenders and fellow wheelies for uh, for their emails yeah. uh, and their messages over the Absolutely. last couple weeks um i know it's a bit of a weird one when we go away and we have had holidays before when we go away we usually plan pretty well on our podcast we record in advance we put something out while we're away um we genuinely thought we'd be home really quickly and didn't make any plan and we're in a home with zero internet so uh thanks to our fellow wheelies for their for their <laughs> thoughts and and, uh, and their uh communications to us while we were off and thanks hugely to chris for um recording a quick message for everybody to tell us where yes. everybody was, but apparently uh, saying that we're in the, uh, the blight of COVID um, on a very quick message does scare some people thinking that they haven't heard from us in a while. So, uh, so luckily we were absolutely fine. Um, very limited symptoms, but we are, we are all back, all happy, all healthy and back uh, recording in our pod booth now. Yes, yes, absolutely. Thanks so much fellow wheelies uh, for, yeah, for your, concern and all your little messages mm-hmm. really really appreciated and glad to be back uh podcasting about this uh fantastic show mm-hmm. loved episode eight and uh yeah i can't believe we're we're delayed recording it but uh, i'm glad we're we're to it now and um yeah can't wait to get stuck into the discussion absolutely i know only i can say that i am covid free since 93 there you go um, <laughs> at the mo- this point out of the three of us uh-huh. but 
That is not why we are here. No, 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 no. We are here to talk about the finale of The Wheel of Time. Mm -hmm. Season 1. We know we have Season 2 on the way. It is coming. We are good. And it is a bit of a definitely interesting one. But if you're joining us just for this finale to hear what we thought, why not head on over to tppodcastindustries.com and get all the previous ones. But if you also want to leave us your thoughts, feedback... And anything else on this season or any other episodes or shows that we've been doing, head on over to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with a small email. And we're also going to be recording our 2021 wrap-up in about a week. So get it all in now and we'll be able to have a quick listen and maybe we'll read it out there. Yes, and of course, with all the COVID disruption and with the final question of the Wheel of Time Tavern quiz Sort of just coming out um, bit by bit, we thought we would also uh, make sure that everyone is aware of the eighth and final uh, question for the Wheel of Time Tavern Quiz or Mm -hmm. Tavern Quiz. Uh, And of course, the winner will be announced as well next week when we do our final roundup of both Wheel of Time and Hawkeye. Uh, as well as what you can look forward to on TV Podcast Industries in 2022. Mm -hmm. So, fellow wheelers, fellow quizzers, question eight for the Wheel of Time Tavern Quiz. What words does Padden Fane use to access Faldara? I love that you're calling it the Tavern Quiz, even though uh, my graphic says in quiz, John. I have to change yeah. the graphic if you call it the Tavern Quiz from now on. I will do it for next season. I'll make sure next season has the uh, the Wheel of Time Tavern Quiz. Uh, thanks to Chris again for giving out that question last week, just in case you missed it. We wanted to make sure that everybody had the opportunity uh, to send in uh, answers to all eight questions. They are all available on our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can get all eight questions up there. Email us um, before the 10th of January with your answers, and we should be able to include you uh, as a... Uh, an entrant into the uh, the Wheel of Time in quiz. But John, do you want to give them a question one last time? Yes, certainly. Question eight. What words does Padden Fane use to access Faldara? What is the password, fellow wheelies? Indeed. Where did you hear those words? Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> now, let us get on with our spoiler-filled discussion. Derek, do you want to tell us who gave us what with this episode? Absolutely. I once again mentioned the show is based on the book series by Robert Jordan. The showrunner for the show is Rafe Lee Judkins, who is a writer for this episode. Um, Rafe Lee Judkins, the main writer and showrunner and creator of the TV series Wheel of Time. Can we just quickly call it, because we have mentioned him a few times during the series, but I, as a non-book reader, as a person that didn't read any of the Wheel of Time books, I want to say that Rafe Jokins has done such a great job of translating this epic material into a TV show where I never felt hugely confused. There's there's points of the show that I was trying to understand what was going on, but I haven't felt massively confused about the intention of the show, where it's going, or what the characters' motivations are, or anything like that. I know that there are going to be questions that are going to be in a first season of a show that will be answered in future seasons, but I think overall, the guide that he's done on the show building up the story has been really, really good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think his adaptation has been really good. I mean, it is, e- even if you've read the a few of the books like myself, or I guess all of the books like Chris has, it's it's that immediate comparison. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the same with Lord of the Rings or, or even with comics like we, we cover on the Defenders podcast. So 
there are changes and it's because it's the the different medium and i think he's done a really good job and those bits where i was thinking oh why is he not included that he's done it very briefly in other parts of yep. uh this this first series mm-hmm. of the first season so yeah he's done a really really good job and it's great to see him writing the final episode from this first season yep. which as we say it's a useful yardstick that we use um, on TV podcast industries uh, because a lot of the good shows, their their showrunner gets involved in the writing at the start to set the tone and at the end to wrap up all the collaboration that he's had with the writer's room, with the other primary writers, mm-hmm. and then, and to set up, in some cases, for that second season, as is the case here. So uh, really... Uh, really, uh, definitely a, a shout out f- to Rafley Judkins for this adaptation for mm-hmm. TV. Yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. He kept it fresh. Yeah, I could tell you beat for beat what would happen in book for one, mm-hmm. and it, that's that's a problem when you're going in with uh, the a ravenous audience base who have been always wanting some form of adaptation of this. And that's the thing. Key word here: adaptation. Yeah. It is the same way that the, you do not look at the Lord of the Rings by Peter Jackson and go, this is a beat for beat kind of epic Absolutely. for the books with J.R.R. Tolkien. It's yeah. the same. They, they, they translate and adapt. And he adapted slightly certain things one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And also he, he took some turns and twists that you know are not going to be the be all and end all of it. It is some of a very more modern kind of TV writer, TV show kind of. Okay. I, I mean, this is the best possible way. Tropes that they, they kind of, the cliffhangers and things like that. Yeah. 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 But that's a TV show. That's what these are for. Absolutely. So I think I really enjoy it. And I just want to hat, hats off to them. And at the same point, as you, you just said, John, it's our yardstick. If the showrunner does the first episode and the end, last episode, usually if we enjoyed the first one, we're going to enjoy the end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, Rafe Jokins has been involved in the production all the way through in yes, the writer's room and, and director because he is the showrunner as well. He's not just in the writer's room. He's involved absolutely. In, in all the choices that were made. Great documentaries. Once again, check them out on uh, X-Ray on, on Amazon Prime, our Prime Video. Um, check out the documentaries on the making of the show. There are some really good insights into into the creation of it um, with Rafe Judkins involved in every step of the way as well. So, uh, But once again, the director of this episode was Kieran Donnelly. Uh, Kieran Donnelly did episode seven and episode eight of the show. We talked about his uh, experience or his, his previous roles in uh, in other shows in the last episode so I won't go back into those again but great to see him back for this final episode John do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for The Wheel of Time episode 8 the finale the eye of the world sure in the distant past 3000 years ago the Tamerlan seat warns the dragon reborn Louis Theron Telemann of the dangers of his plan to imprison the dark one in the present day in the blight Moraine and Rand make their way to the Eye of the World and the Dark One's prison. Having worked for twenty years for this moment, Moraine gives Rand a Sangriel, an ancient object to enhance his power to defeat the Dark One. Meanwhile, with land tracking Moraine and Rand in the Blight, at Faldara, thousands of Trollocs and their Midril launch an attack. 
As the Shaneran army of Faldara falls at the defences in the Tarwins Gap, the Trollocs charge on to destroy the city and bastion of Faldara. One last hope remains as five women, including Nynaeve and Egwene, channel against the attack to protect the city and destroy the Trolloc army. But the effort to channel the One Power burns out all but Egwene, who is able to heal Nynaeve. During the battle inside the fortress, soldiers accompanied by Perrin seek to retrieve the Horn of Valer, an ancient object that is prophesied to summon the greatest warriors of history at the last battle between the Dark One and the Dragon Reborn. But they are not alone, and Padam Fane, with the help of two fades, steals the horn, revealing to Perrin that he is a dark friend who visited the two rivers to find the five Taviran. At the eye, not even the power of Moraine, the Blue Ash, can stop the Dragon Reborn from being tempted by the appeal of the Dark One. As Rand is offered a vision of him and Egwene starting a family, the Dark One, Shaitan, or Balzaman, tells him all he sees can come to pass if he gives his power to the Shadow. To prevent meddling from Moraine, the Dark One cuts her connection to the One Power. But as Rand is offered his choice within his mind, his unconscious body is held by Moraine, who holds a knife to his neck, prepared to slit his throat if Rand chooses unwisely. But as the Dark One's offer is rejected by Rand, he awakes to attack the Dark One with the Sangreal. In doing so, he fractures one of the seals of Shaitan's prison. In the aftermath of his confrontation with the Dark One, fearing madness, Rand decides to go into hiding. Lan finds Moraine, who tells him that this was not the last battle. In the west, on the Arith Ocean, great ships arrive, whose channelers at the bow of the ships generate powerful waves. Mm, a tsunami, I think. Yes. Indeed. Unfortunately, the um, the poor little girl with her mm. teddy is uh, probably not going to survive that. Probably not, unless she's able to channel the waves herself. Channel and hold the waves back. <laughs> she's the new Holdor. Holdor, hold the door. Hold the waves. Hold the waves. Yeah. Hold, hold the waves. It's whole wave. Yeah, whole wave. Um, yeah, bringing the Shanchan very early in, mm. which is... Uh, um, we will talk about that in notes later. We probably will, yes. Yes. It's about time we jump into our first spoke of this episode. Let's get straight into it with spoke number one. 3,000 years ago, flying cars? Yeah. I'm assuming you wrote that there. I did. I did. I, I said that not much of the show has confused me. Um, and we kind of had talked about this a little bit before, that uh, there are allusions to the fact that this world is built on top of a world more futuristic than our own. Yes. Um, that you could see things like massive skyscrapers. And here it's laid pretty bare in this uh, this opening moment of the episode with a with another bit of confusion that i'll talk about um honestly i wasn't very confused throughout this season there's not not, not that much that that has confused me it's a pretty straightforward kind of story overall but a couple of tiny things in this in this piece we have the argument between uh lewis theron telemon and um latra pose de Coom. um her title is as given in the show by him is the tamerlin seat yep rather than the amerlin seat which we've met throughout the show here i would guess this is something to do with the fact that she's the leader of both male and female Aes Sedai. so the nomenclature is is slightly different or is is it the same seat or is it a different seat would that be right she's the leader of all the female channelers mm-hmm. 
in that age. She is the Tamarancy. She is the leader of the female Aes Sedai. Yeah. And he is the dragon reborn, or the dragon. He is the leader of the male Aes Sedai. Okay, so there, it, so there's no nothing I can guess about why the name is different. It's Ultum. It's literally the name. You know the way that you would say mm-hmm. uh, certain etymology of the words change over thousands of years. Right. This is essentially it. So is Tamerlancy just the Ultum name for Amelancy? Yeah, pretty right. much with an added T. Okay, basically. Um, <laughs> That's not different. Okay. Um, then, again, this is all based on they may change that. They yeah. may have. But based on my understanding of as long as they don't tweak things, that is essentially it. They okay. are speaking the ancient language of the old tongue, and he is the leader of the male Aes Sedai. Right. She is the leader of the female Aes Sedai. Yeah. And, and the important thing here is that both men and women channel the one power yes. in mm-hmm. this time, yeah. 3,000 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it, there is some other confusion about his title, though, as well. So he's called the Dragon Reborn, which... Which, uh, given what we've been, the story we've been told throughout this was that we were looking for the the dragon reborn in our current time, and there's been many dragon reborns since Lewis there and Telemann. So I had thought Luz was the dragon, and all the people following him would be the dragon reborn, but he's given the title of dragon reborn here, and he's discussed that that is his title. So I was quite surprised as if you're calling him dragon reborn, there should be a dragon before him. Oh, there is. But he's the one that broke the world, so... Um, yeah. We're waiting for somebody to come back afterwards. So that was uh, that was something that I just thought was a bit odd. Yeah. yeah, I haven't explained it, but very much he is the Dragon Reborn as well. He is another Dragon Reborn. He is perhaps one of the most influential, mm-hmm. but he was not the original dragon right. in this story of ages. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, I was confused at that. I thought he was the dragon in the sense that not the first one, but he was the dragon that broke the world, and so that was the, the, he is, the that's right, yeah. that, that's the the central point, um, and it's coming primarily from his crest that, that he has, uh, his banner effectively, and the crest that you see on his tunic, um, so that he was known as the dragon, and yeah. um, he broke the world with what he was looking to do, which was to try and destroy and imp- um, the the dark one in this moment. Ultimately, with him um, tainting or the, the the one power for male channelers being tainted, and so then after this, it was about whether the 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 reborn dragons or in the different ages were going to to be um, you know to bind the dark right. one or, or, yeah. or to to break the world again. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I think, um, but ultimately his lineage would be that he would be a dragon reborn as well i guess but yes. yeah I, I guess it was just one of those things um yeah. but uh yes i i guess when you're talking about time and certainly cyclical time what truly is the dragon reborn but every dragon is the dragon reborn <laughs> yeah exactly exactly right. okay in your question about flying cars though so mm-hmm. essentially the 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 they, they again. They're going to have to explain it more in season two as they start to do flashbacks of the uh, Lewis. But essentially, when you were able to combine male and female source, mm. you could do amazing things. Like a lot of what we see being done and channeled yeah. is the basic stuff. Like it's almost like imagine 
you had TV back in the day, and then all of a sudden we just go back to flip books. Right. It is that like that. It's night and day. So what you're seeing here is skyscrapers being built by mm. Ogier that are like thousands of thousands of meters high. Yeah. Flying cars being propelled by the power. Mm. Um, electricity, their form of like magic, heat, light, things like that. Yeah, and also, so the 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 sangreal that Moraine gives to to Rand can only be used by a male channeler of the one power. There are also angrials that can be channeled by the female, I think, or others, another word okay. for it. And so that there are other things that could be created from this combined um, and just the power from effectively both um, female and male uh, being able to channel the yeah. one power and what they could create. So that 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 icon, that Sangreal, is could be is just yes, you're right. Can only be used by a male, but there is Sangreal. So it goes Angreal, Terangreal, Sangreal, which is yeah. like the there's Terangreal are the kind of very like is the there's powerful. There's kind of like mundane everyday ones. There's ones like the Oath Rod, which we saw being used by the Amalan Seat, uh, and the Mirror. Which have very particular types of uses, yeah. Um, but are essentially can only be used by kind of one person, and they can be be it depending on who built it, it's male or female, etc., right. etc. And then there's Sangrel, which is these huge, like they're the 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 the, the, the legendary epic right. kind of ones, where in this case, thousands of male channelers. I think she's uh, hundreds, but I, I think I can't remember exactly. Have just poured their power into this, yeah, one kind of idol, right? Yeah. So the, I, I guess, yeah, flying cars though is really interesting to see. Yeah, I think. And, and I suppose the big t- thing to take from this is this was when men and women were working together with the true source and using their powers combined, it yeah. created a world like this and had a world that existed, which is more advanced than our own world right now in in present time. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so if the, so, breaking them apart has broken their ability to have these powers. Yeah, it's, it's destroyed the world as well, and I think the interesting thing is the the intentions as well here of Luz Therin Telamon mm-hmm. you know, is to make the world safe. He's yeah. being advised against it though by the Tamalin seat. Now she is advising against it, mm-hmm. and it is his own decision going against that advice. So, um. But his intentions are to try and remove that threat of the dark one, uh, yeah. and so th- I, I think that's a you know an interesting thing to take here. But the the these um these two Luzthrin Telamon and um the the dark one have been have faced each other many times since, and in in different forms as well. In terms of th- like the dark one would see. Rand as just a different form of Luz Therin yeah. Telamon. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that yeah. a little later on because we, we have the Dark One calling Rand Luz. Yeah, uh, exactly. One bit in the scene that they didn't get across is that he's only taking male channelers with him. It, it kind of gets slightly got lost. Mm. That's why um, the Tamlin seed is kind of going, you're dooming people here. What happens if something goes wrong? Yeah. He's taking a thousand of his best male channelers with him 
Um, he's taking his main lieutenants, his army, his generals, yeah, um, with him. So, and it's only male generals that he takes. I think that comes across because you, okay. you see the pushback from him um, when she's warning him against it. He's saying, "Well, we would have a much better chance if you and your female said I joined okay. us." Um, so, I definitely got that sense that he's that he's going off on this mission and without her support. And his his pushback is well, if you joined us, it'd be even easier. Then I think yeah. it's going to be with my male challengers. So okay, uh, so good. I think that's I good because that. I, yeah. I I didn't think it did, and I was like, oh god, that's gonna yeah. make some people confused. But that's great. Well, then well, let's move it on to our second main spoke, which mm-hmm. is the crux of this main episode. Really. Well, yeah, uh, which is Rand versus the Dark One, which mm. is Rand getting to the the Eye of the World and going through the Blight. Um, and even just meeting um, certain people in the Blight, which is even interesting. Yeah, it, it is a, a really interesting portion of the episode. And again, you know, Wheel of Time has felt like it's been setting up the world for seven episodes. And now it feels like the Wheel of Time is going downhill uh, at a rapid pace. <laughs> this episode, to have introduced Rand as the Dragon Reborn, what, last episode? And then this episode to have him face off against the Dark One in a, in. Well, what we find out is the is the first of many battles, but it seems like this was the this was the end to the big storyline all taking place in one episode. It, it feels like it's gotten to that point really quickly where you go, right, I'm Dragon Reborn, off we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I kind of thought that the journey through the Blight might be the story we'd get with Rand and Moraine in this episode, and it wouldn't have the big battle between them by the end of the episode. I thought you kind of have maybe the the battle at Faldaro would be the other the big action piece of the episode and they'd stay on their journey into season two. So I was quite surprised that this whole story took place in this episode. Yeah, but it was good and it was Mm -hmm. really nicely and neatly done here. Um, I I really, I really enjoyed the meeting the dark one as Rand again, falls asleep uh, and dreams, just reemphasizing that power of the dreams. I loved, um, I loved how the arrow that Rand shoots into his eye, he just pushes into his eye and it pulls the burnt face away just to reveal um, this effectively ordinary looking uh, man with a beard, um, despite being very confident and and prophesizing quite Mm. a lot uh, in his conversations with Rand. I just thought this was really, really good. And uh, the, the other thing I really thought was impressively done just the way um Rand sees the vision of Moraine being killed as well with the the sword effectively through the back of her head and yeah. out through her mouth like Shocking it, it, that that really made me jump mm. and I, it felt really visceral I think the way that Rosamund Pike just acted that in terms of going stone dead with the the mouth and the eyes was really really well done and it, like Rand's response to that was shocked um I thought it was really good um and and ultimately he has to kill himself as well to then wake himself up from this as he starts to see his hand sort of getting covered by the blight uh, as well as it starts to effectively creep and degrade and and, and infect um himself but uh, so I really like this this kind of conversation. I mean, it it almost as well with the change to this ordinary looking guy. Um, it it is that thing, isn't it? Where 
Um, I, I can't remember the exact saying, but it's that, you know, evil as such will feel like normality and it will mm. creep up on you. It, it's not going to be the, you know, the, 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 the disturbing kraken or the, you know, the three headed serpents or, or, or all of this kind of thing, all, even the trollocs ultimately sort of, evil will infect it by being sort of looking quite normal and offering something quite rational like we see later um in in terms of to try and persuade you to join you know ultimately rand is being offered what the dark one feels he wants well exactly there's a slight flaw in that plan and we'll get to that but i mean and i took it and i know i've I've read loads of fantasy books and again not wheel of time but i took that this is the dark one choosing his face to appeal to rand and have this conversation with rand this is not this may not be the actual face of the dark one this is his the face that he's chosen to have this conversation he says it to him as he's pushing that absolutely arrow through his face he goes it's much much easier to have this conversation face to face and have this discussion rather than standing in the background trying to my match it in your dreams basically um so yeah i thought that was a a a good moment and i i I like this character i like the the character of the dark one i like that he's able to he's trying to twist what he believes is what rand wants um to his advantage i think that's uh, exactly what you want from your your big bad evil right oh huge yeah so I love this for so many reasons. The, the journey to the eye and then just the that initial conf- I don't want to call it confrontation, but that initial kind of the almost kind of teasing and kind of testing of the waters with Rand. Because again, this is the whole point. The Dragon Reborn can yeah. be the greatest ally or the greatest enemy. Um, uh, for it, depending on which side you're on, <laughs> essentially, you're the dark one's greatest ally or his enemy or the light. And seeing how this all played out, this world of the dreams and how it can be so grotesque and just the, the mask slipping away and then the, the words, like, huge shout out to the actor who plays the dark one in this. Mm. He just, he holds that, just that kind of, I don't even know what to call it. That well, he's quite reassuring, isn't he? I mean, he's yeah. quite soothing. He's not. I mean, as you say, confrontation. Yes, it is a confrontation, but it's a very from his side. He's quite measured and paced in his yes. conversation to Rand. It's like almost like he's trying to say, "You're the irrational one because of what you're being fed by the Isid Eye, and I'm the one that's kind of level-headed and." I'm not quite the threat that the Aes Sedai believe me to be. Um, And you can be a part of that. And I want you to be a part of that. And here's what I can offer to you. That's what I mean. It's, it's the fact that it's, it's not the Sauron or ultimately his face with the fiery eyes. Yes. is kind of Sauron. (laughs) Um, and, changing his appearance to make Rand feel Mm. at ease with himself. But he's not the Sauron of Lord of the Rings in that Sauron is totally uncompromising. And whilst he may be, and most likely is, because he wants the world his way, Mm -hmm. he's not... 
he's he, he's not selling it to that. He is the the clever seller of, of what he yeah. wants to do to try and bring people on board, and he has dark friends yeah. as well. And um, so it, it's not just uh, with Rand. He you know he's offered something to all those dark friends that work with him. And um, in in this world, so uh, the, that's what I mean, I mean by this evil creeping up is that it it overtakes what your perception of it is, is because he's giving quite a a reasonable or rational yeah. sort of front to it. Ultimately. And I wonder if that's whether he's done it uh, so many times <laughs> for those uh, those three. Yeah, he's had plenty of the, practice to the exactly. many dragon born. All right, I, all I need to do is just give them what I think they want, and they'll probably side with me, or I'll drive them insane, or I'll kill them. So that's kind of it, right? That's that's <laughs> the that's the problem with this uh, with the wheel of time is like he can just get better and better, learn yeah. from his mistakes at each cycle through the age um, and different ages. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that it was just really, really nicely done, uh, as well. I thought, um, because yeah. yeah, I was just expecting fiery eyed bloke to be there, and so sort of for him, for them to do that and mm. to make that choice, um, it, it puts Rand at ease ultimately yeah. It, yeah. to some extent. And, and part of that conversation as well, we also you mentioned it earlier on, Chris, about about lose the. Dragon Reborn from three thousand years ago. He mentions that attack on him when he's when the Dark One starts calling Rand lose. He said, "The last time you were here, you were here with ninety nine companions, and you failed. What makes yeah. you think you and one Ace is going to tackle me and take me down?" And then he also tells uh, tells Rand for the first time that Tanal Thor isn't his father. Um, that's the first time Rand's learned that right yeah. since the beginning of of our story with the character. He does he didn't know that that Tanal Thor wasn't his father. He didn't know his history it was only questioned once with loyal when loyal um told him what he was the fiery headed redhead and he basically told him to shut up and move because he needed to get out of there pretty quickly he didn't care about the history of who loyal thought he was by his looks effectively so um so i presume ran's journey now is going to be to discover who he is um now that he's learned these little facts about himself from these people that he's met in the world well the the yes so he He's called an ale um, by by the Ogier. He the, he isn't for his shocking red hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have seen one before in the uh, cage with the mask. Absolutely. Um, and he has talked about how they are in the threefold land. They yeah. come from the wasteland, the yeah. threefold land, out beyond the waste, mm-hmm. out beyond the blight. And even more importantly, we saw his mother, who was an alien. Yes. Uh, oh, kick, my God, yes. Kicking major ass. <laughs> Very much so. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's way that that is from the L War. And um, the, very much what I assume, and we can kind of get to it later, my assumption on the journey for Rand now is it's that soldier. He's going to go find himself in the threefold land and then come okay. back. Yeah. Um, because it's that's essentially when you, you, your whole thing has been questioned, you've been told you look like this group of people that only come from over there. Mm-hmm. And he disappears by himself at the end, exactly. walking solemnly towards the, that direction. I'm like, all right, he's going to the threefold land. There yeah. you go. Exactly. And, and it's sowing that seed. This is, yeah. this yeah. is a major character in the storyline who, who now realizes his entire history and the backstory he knows about himself is untrue. And he, We'll probably go off and, and search for that backstory, but yeah. uh, but I like that he's kind of pushed on that uh, from the Dark One, telling him that your father's not your father, basically. Yeah, and, and what did people think about like 
the, ultimately the main temptation here the 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 family image mm-hmm. in the two rivers um that the dark one is selling here uh to to rand um him and Egwene with their their newborn child mm. I, I really like this um because it shows growth in the character of rand um we saw him basically with his bottom lip stuck out at the start of the season when <laughs> Egwene decides to go off and become a wisdom and dumps him because wisdoms can't get married um and we see him really giving her the cold shoulder like a child would um, at the beginning of the season. And now at the end of the season, we see this big growth for the character because he's able to enable whatever he wants to happen. And he's effectively saying, well, I'm not going to do that. Not going to turn to your ways because if it comes down to forcing Egwene to do something that she doesn't want to do, that's not who I am as a person. So it feels like real growth for the character of Rand. And I think that's really important. Um because all of these kids are really young at the beginning of the season and they need to have this journey and, and growth into adulthood by the end of the season. So I think it, it makes loads of sense. I, I can see why it would be appealing to him, but he's gone through such a journey throughout the season um, that it makes sense why he would make a different choice. I would be loathed to say that anybody would make that choice to force somebody to do anything they didn't want to just for their own happiness. But it's, what, I, what I more mean is that he knows Egwene better now that they've spent time on the road together or they've spent time together outside of their hometown and seen a bit of the world he knows her better and knows that the choices she makes are for are the right choices for her yeah 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 no huge um and it is it's the the the, the was it, how many temptations did christ have <laughs> so the seven 12, I think the seven is temptations seven? Are you, is that like where the devil comes to Christ and tempts mm-hmm. him it's that type of yeah, very did. much that type of mythology story type he did have 40 days in the desert so maybe it was more than seven but I, I, seven's always a, a, yeah. a good number for the Bible <laughs> That's fine. can we not remember our Sunday school no. lads no because no. uh, no. I, no. <laughs> I was like oh, I don't know uh, but it's that it's, very, it's, it's that type of thing it's the mm-hmm. giving the Giving the potential, I'm going to use this in the, the terms of the Wheel of Time, the savior, mm-hmm. the, the the dragon, tempting him with what the ultimate evil believes his ultimate want is. Yeah, yeah. And which is a family with Egwene. Back in the two rivers, mm-hmm. everything is perfect. His family is fine. Everyone is hunky-dory. And, but it's too perfect. It's going against what, that, that it's that ultimate control. But it does hint at what the Dark One and also Rand's potential power is. Mm-hmm. He can shape reality to a degree. Right. And there's some exaggeration elements on this, but it is also, he he is quite powerful. Mm. He really is. And it's that when, hopefully in the years to come, and we will see over the next seven series. Yeah. When it, as until the end, the, 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 the power of the dragon is insurmountable. Right. It, it's huge. So, well, we, even the, we, even the dark one, I thought, given that he's supposed to be imprisoned effectively in that huge seal, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at the eye of the world, he's like, I, I kind of had the impression, you know, he'd be bound that he is in a weakened state. And I guess you see that in the sense of, when Rand makes his decision and begins to channel in that yes. you don't see really the Dark One channeling back. It's not like a a, a battle 
between the two where they're sparring. Absolutely. It's more that um, the Dark One just sees that a choice is being made here and kind of stands there. So maybe that's showing the weakened state or, yeah. you know, they still not up to full battery level. Well, yeah, but he also, he also needs to get this guy to join his company. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, I've had interviews where, uh, where potential employers pretend they're not evil uh, to encourage me <laughs> to work for the company. And it has to be your choice, you know, um, but he, there is a bit of a battle here. Um, uh, very quick one, of course, but a little bit of a battle here between the dark one and Moraine. Yeah. Um, Moraine is threatening to murder Rand. If he makes the wrong choice, something she promised to do episodes ago, she's sitting there with a knife at his throat, making him bleed. Even not even saying I'm going to do it. You can see that the intention is there. If she realizes that his choice is going to be to join the Dark One, she will cut his throat. And in response to it, the Dark One takes away her connection to... Well, that um, was the big the, shock. The that was the big shock for me, that she gets cut from the 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 One Power. And, and yes, yeah, stilled, effectively. Is, so the, 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 is she stilled or is she shielded? That's the question. I well, think. you saw the shield, like, mm. was put over yeah. um, Legain, that kind of mesh, that net yes. side of it. But... It's when he holds almost, it looks like, a life force in his hands and does something with his hands and motion that then cuts her off. But I think the, the great thing for me about this part was twofold. One was that um, I think Moraine's character, it she reacts and responds exactly how you, ex- you would expect it in that she pulls out a good old-fashioned knife that um, she'll slit his throat. Mm-hmm. She says, you know, the Dark Lord is kind of mocking her by saying, you came here alone. Uh, you didn't have a hundred odd people with you. Like previously, what did you think one I said I could do? And actually what she can do is she can just slit his throat so he dies in the real world. Um, and so she does come prepared in that way. And it, it that actually creates a really good tension when you're within the world created by the dark one mm-hmm. with 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 rand unconscious whilst they're having this conversation about you know joining the dark one uh, what do you want rand that whole conversation because all this time rand has got this this knife to his throat mm-hmm. and could be taken out having said that the dark one says but you don't know which way he is going to channel um you yeah. don't know what decision he's going to make and you're just sat there uh, and it's only until she sees him utilizing the power of the Sangreal to it to enhance um, and amplify his channeling um, of the true source that she realizes. And that was just really good. It kind of just increased the tension on that confrontation. But also I thought how they handled Moraine's character with the knife made sense to me mm-hmm. that she's a, you know, She's not just an Aes Sedai who can channel the source. She's hugely intelligent and has backup plans. Yeah. But it was still a shock that she gets cut. I mean, that's what she actually says in the show. Whether she's just kind of been, I don't know, shielded or whatever. But she, she says she's been cut off from the the one power yeah and, and I think um, he described it as being just out of her reach yeah. as well so it's uh it's like she's been cut away from the source that she can't can't reach so, back to so source, that yeah. was really interesting because that is different from the book um yeah. and 
in fact, just those two being there uh, by, it, it, by themselves is also different from right. the book. So they have modified this, but I guess it made it nicely intimate in a way. I, I guess mm-hmm. if you had Matt and Egwene and Nynaeve and Lan, I guess there's a lot to focus on here. I think they focused on it really well because not only was it Rand and the Dark One, mm-hmm. but you had the moments with Moraine with the knife with the Dark One. And there's yeah. that moment where he begins to use the power where he's swirling round and the camera is panning round between the that that dream world that's being created to the eye of the world where they actually are um, as he's channeling and it goes to Faldara as well, you know, because all, all through this, Faldara is being intercut into this with the big battle that that we will come to. I just thought that was so nicely done. Um, it really just added an epic feel to what was quite a, 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 a almost stage play setting yeah. of them on the seal. Uh, because in Faldara, it was... The only way we can stop all these Trollocs is if Rand beats the Dark One. Yeah, and it's interesting because, as you said, it's a, it's a difference from the, the the book in that in Rand saves them in Rand saves Tarwin's Gap in um, and Faldar in the in the book. Okay, and that's actually really interesting because one thing before we get into the differences between kind of Faldara and Tarwin's gap in that battle, because that is completely different in the book as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. The one difference I just call out is the eye of the world is a different thing here. The eye of the world in the book is a, is a, a pool of pure Saidan, the, the, the one power, male one power. Right. Um, and it, it's, it's a, 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 that, and he uses that, Rand uses that to stop the dark one and save Tarwin's gap. Okay. What I see them doing here is potentially splitting the party, as you said, for that. But it's also giving everyone a more of a their own heroic moments. Absolutely. And making them... Because in the book, Rand is the Dragon Reborn. Rand is the hero yeah. in the, the, the thematic kind of caricature style of good versus evil, hero versus villain. Mm-hmm. He is the, the great hero. What right now? What we see here is what Rafe and the writing team, I believe, are doing is spreading some of that hero across all the Tavani. So Perrin is a hero. Mm. Matt is potentially will be a hero. Nynaeve, Egwene, Rand, all of them are different levels of different heroes. So they're all going to get that heroic moment. Mm-hmm. So in this, Rand stops the Dark One. And quickly, he breaks Kulinder, which uh, we see, and I'll we'll talk about in the notes, but Lan and Moraine talk about that, which is very interesting. Yeah, so I really do believe they're spreading out that heroic finale battles, which is perfect. This brings us on to the kind of the next spoke of this, which is really Faldar and Tarwin's Gap, and the two massive heroic moments where we see the 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 Tarwin's Gap massive battle, mm. and then also and how the the Egwene and Nynaeve handle that, but then also we see Perrin in Faldar and a certain peddler reemerges. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is really interesting. This feels like something out of out of the Lord of the Rings battles that we get in 
the second and third movies. Not as epic as them, but just the idea if, of Lord and Lady Jagad yeah. who have taken who are taking a role here in stopping the attack of the Trollocs. Um, but what I do really like about it is the the start of the battle, um, where they have a discussion between the two of them about what they're going to do and why they need to do it. And Lord Jagad is apologetic about the fact that he never reached out to the Aes Sedai for protection in the past. If he'd done that, we may have not gotten to the point here where we're being attacked by Trollocs on our borders. And now we're going to have to sacrifice ourselves and all of the fighters in the city and everybody that joins us just to just to give some time for the rest for everybody else that we're supposed to be protecting to possibly find a way out of this. It is a suicide mission just to halt the Trollocs for a short amount of time, effectively. But yeah. if he'd made better decisions as a leader in the past, because remember, he was really cocky when Rain uh, met him first about the protection that they've given to the Gap and the protection that they've given to uh, this area of of the map, I guess. Um, but in this point, he's in this moment with his sister, he's saying to her, we should have reached out before. Maybe we could have done a better job at what we've done. And now we're, now we're going to have to sacrifice ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I I love this battle of Faldara. It felt much more um, clear to me than than the book. It also really gave me Helm's Deep vibes. Yeah, and um, and I really really enjoyed it. And I think that's because it is kicked off with effectively this sacrifice by the Lord and Lady of Faldara, um, saying we're not going to stop this. This Faldara being the the fortress that has never fallen to the Trollocs, this isn't going to happen. You know, at this moment, they don't believe that's going to happen. And they make that decision that, mm. you know, he will go out to Tarwin's Gap and the wall in order to, to stop them. And that uh, Lady Amelisa uh, must try and use all the source, uh, get round the, the, the women of Faldara that can channel to some extent, whether powerful like Nynaeve mm. or, or, or even just little party tricks so yeah. that then, you know, in, in, in Lord Jagged's mind, they will crash through Tarwin's gap and she needs to be there to slow them down to try and stop them from destroying Faldara. And so I thought it was kind of interesting that I really the- liked that. I liked how it was set up. Um I really did. It it, it felt really meaningful, really epic. Mm. And I I mean the realization of Tarwin's gap was cool for me just that wall with the very narrow arrow slits like you'd see on castles Mm -hmm. it was really a nice design um but just seeing that overwhelmed i think it was just at one point it was so dark it just looked like a load of torches were uh, attacking faldara i couldn't really see the trollocs but admittedly that was the first time we watched it which was on a mobile phone a little bit of of internet connection uh, last week but watching it on a big screen tv in 4k um I didn't find it as dark no. as, I, as I found it last time. It's not like, the, what was the battle that was in Game of Thrones um, final season? <laughs> yeah. It's about three or four minutes and you're going, there's, I can't see anything other yeah. than a little bit of fire. <laughs> it was like the horde of candles uh, attacking Faldara. <laughs> You'd save um, a lot on the, uh, on the budget if you did that, uh, if you just did a horde of candles. Um, but one thing I did, I really like about the, uh, the call from Lady Am- Am- Amalisa, uh, to get all, anybody who's ever used the source out. One thing I, I, I thought was interesting you mentioned if anybody's had any connection at all to magic or of of any type she calls out people that have done parlor tricks effectively anybody at all come on join me we need to take your power one person who escapes and goes outside and kind of watches the city burn is the bartender min 
and yeah. who's been kind of telling the future for everybody. I presume that even doing that kind of uh, power would mean that she would at least try and see if she could join the ladies uh, who are trying to stop the Trollocs from overrunning the city. Give it a go. Even if you even if you believe your magic isn't the same type of magic, go over and help them out because um, it seemed like at least one or two of the of the five that are there didn't have much source power. <laughs> no. It didn't last very long. No. It, it felt like they'd just been put in a microwave uh, by the end of it. <laughs> it was... Uh, I mean, that also was huge just seeing how the one source can be channeled mm. even by someone like uh lady amelisa who you know we've seen in the previous episodes she she went to try and become an isodai but didn't become accepted yeah. um by by the the white tower uh, as as an as a novice and so yes she can do it but she's not as proficient as I said I. So even someone like Lady Amelisa is controlling it to some extent, but ultimately gets overwhelmed mm. with the amount of one power that is being used. But I mean, wow, that, she used it effectively. I thought that yeah. was the wave of it, the lightning strikes, all of that. It just felt so epic. And um, you really could sense the, the struggle of all five of mm. the women channeling it really really well um, and I, I really enjoyed that yeah. that depiction but she's overwhelmed really because it's Nynaeve and Egwene who are there who are significantly more powerful than she is we've seen their yeah. powers throughout this season she wouldn't have possibly imagined that these two uh, two ladies that came into her city who were joining her to allow her to challenge the source through she couldn't have imagined how much power she was going to actually be channeling no. so, yeah. um, so that's what rips her apart now question not question, but comment, let's say. Uh, five of them there. Um, Nynaeve shields um, Egwene from the burning power that's suddenly happening. Each of the uh, each of the source users, let's call them, are burning out. And yeah. Nynaeve shields Egwene from the full power of that burning. Everybody else dies, including Amelisa um, herself. And I thought Nynaeve. Um, Nynaeve falls on top of Egwene, she has her burnt out eyes. She's there for quite a few minutes. Yep. Afterwards, with Egwene looking at her going, I can't believe I've lost you, effectively. And then Egwene brings her back. And only her back. Yep. Um, is that a little bit cruel of Egwene to just bring back Nynaeve? Um, we know that using the source takes a lot of effort, and we know it can drain you, because we've seen that from Moraine in the past and in previous episodes, but that doesn't seem to be the reason why <laughs> Egwene stops at just bringing back Nynaeve. It feels like she brings her back and then goes, oh, you're alive, thank you, great, and then move on. They don't know how to channel. Yeah. I, they, they are not, they're not even not trained. They just, they don't even know how to make fire or anything like that. They have no, they... So far, they've just, it's like, reach out, touch the power. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to heal. They don't know how to combine fire, water, earth to make healing. But would you not try exactly the same thing that you just did on one of the other ladies that had burned? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Potentially. I, I think to in, in Egwene's defense, the way I kind of feel is that, so we heard that, you know, Egwene thought she was the one that had the better mm -hmm. sort of strength when it came to the one source. And then ultimately gets told that Nynaeve 
is one of the most natural, strongest, uh, true source sort of channelers that they've seen that hasn't even been a novice at Tar Valon and being trained in becoming an Aes Sedai. So Nynaeve uses that to save Egwene. And Egwene, I think because she's holding her Mm -hmm. and is close to her, the power that she can channel, and because it's about controlling it at that moment, Egwene's thoughts is wishing and wanting Nynaeve to be alive because it's her closest friend. So it's more to do with the relationship that ends up with the the one yeah. power enveloping um them and and healing Nynaeve ultimately it's just that's where her control was it wasn't yeah. going to Amalisa or the other um two women that ultimately got um fried in the microwave yeah. of the one source so and you- i i think that's the only thing i would say but i agree she could have also then tried with the others. But you do get that, obviously, from the guidance that the Dark One is giving to Rand about how to channel. It's about envisaging exactly what you want in front of you and, and hoping and praying for it with all of your heart kind of thing. And that's effectively what Egwene's doing with Nynaeve. She's wishing with all of her heart that uh, that Nynaeve could come back. So because she can channel, that's what happens. I suppose because we saw earlier on in the season with Nynaeve using her power reactively um, after all of the Aes Sedai had been taken out and Lan had his, his throat slit, healing every single person in that room and bringing them back. Um, I suppose I was expecting the same thing from Egwene, but I guess power levels may be different. We'll, yeah, I think yeah. she's she's weaker in, in her her ability of using it at this moment in time. And of course, Nynaeve has had five years of wisdom of using uh, yeah. using powers of some sort. So, yeah. Yeah, so the one thing I just will note is they've upped the power levels of Egwene dramatically in this. Uh, she did not have an affinity for healing or anything. Right, like yeah. Because all I was going was get her a yellow Aesodai outfit, stick her in the oh, head yeah. of healing, exactly. get her heal everybody. But, yeah. <laughs> exactly, because that's that's what they say about Nynaeve. But I think this is the really interesting thing of the adaptation in this moment, because yes, I think these two at this moment in time are much more leveled up than the book. Um but in, in in this case as well, this situation of them channeling the one power to hold back the Trolloc army, this is totally new. Um, Lady Annalisa and Lord Egelmar um, of Faldara are both still alive after this in, in the books. Right. Now, as I say, I've not read all of them, so I'm assuming they probably just never come back into the book or very obliquely mm-hmm. and, and so on. And so this is the big moment for this Lord and Lady of Faldara yeah. taking that stand, being used in this Helm's Deep type battle. Um, to show their quality. And I think that's a really interesting adaptation from the book. And it certainly invests you more in that battle because seeing the Lord at Tarwin's Gap and just the Trollocs gradually yeah. taking away and taking down the, the brickwork as they're, they're just throwing thousands at, at the, the wall. And as they're then charging towards Faldara and you have effectively an uninitiated Aes Sedai in Lady Annalisa yeah. 
stepping up on the basis of their conversation and so on. I think that's what really kicked that off. It made it epic, moving, um, and and just it really invested in this sacrifice that these two did in this battle of Faldara, uh, as well as then seeing um, Nynaeve and Egwene sort of being involved in that with Lady Amelisa. So yeah. I thought there's really good use um, and adaptation and change uh, done uh, from the book. And as I was saying before, the fact that they interchanged and cut between this to the more intimate setting between Rand and the Dark One or unconscious Rand, the Dark One and Moraine, it just pulled it together mm. really quite nicely. Um, and so, yeah, I, I thought this was superb. Yeah. yeah, it is a really interesting thing, I must say, putting those the, at the centre of the story here. One other thing about Egwene and, and Nynaeve before we move on, there was just a quick discussion with them before the battle where Nynaeve says she can no longer hear the wind and um, asks Egwene to, to interpret what she's hearing, which I think is interesting. Nynaeve was saying that ever since she channeled, she's effectively kind of lost that power that she had as a wisdom for those five years, what she was training Egwene at the beginning of the season to do. Yeah. Now she can no longer do it herself because she's now channeling, which I thought was was something to just to keep an eye on, I think, for for the next season about what happens in her in, in her path in the future. Yeah, it's I- almost like a block. Because mm-hmm. essentially since she channeled that massive thing, yeah. it's in the, the that massive amount of healing, she's lost her her ability to hear the wind. Yeah. But then we see Egwene hear the wind yeah. so they they are alluding to the fact that potentially being a channeler allows you to listen to the wind what in whatever potential way that may be um uh, it, it's essentially because Egwene and Nani both could hear the wind to a degree episode one mm-hmm. when you hear the yeah. first trollocs they both kind of are able to do that and we later find that it that Egwene can still do it but Nynaeve since her big explosion has this cannot so, so because she's channeled she can no longer is what she thinks anyway that's her explanation in her mind so that there yeah. is that it maybe have cut her off from that other ability that she had in the past but yeah, i just thought exactly. it was interesting that they had that conversation and kind of given that that was one of her pieces of expertise in the past that she's now asking uh Egwene to help her to cha- help her to to hear the wind and what it's saying i thought was was quite interesting there so something to watch out yeah. for in the future uh, let's get on to the fourth member of the team of five given that we don't really have much of matt um in this episode <laughs> we uh, get like one scene yeah <laughs> a I pre- split second mm, i presume that was used from um an outtake of the filming that was done with the actor because we know he didn't return for uh, those those Post two COVID, episodes yeah. of, of um of the filming for for this part of the season we know he's being replaced in the next season so uh so that was just a, a moment saying that he's returning to the white tower um is, is all we got with matt in this episode just that he's back at um Tarvalon. it looked very much like it, the scene out of um the the the, the shire Lagoth. Uh, it right. looks like that darkness, that mm. um, that peace, kind of very much. It looked something like that. But he is looking at the tower of. Sorry, yes. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It looks like an outtake from that when he was there, yeah. but put into Tarvalon. Yes. Yeah. And I'm assuming that's how they're going to. Now remember, from the last episode, he does have a um, a hit out on him with the red Ajay. Mm-hmm. What? 
And now he's going to the tower where they're all where they're all living right now. So uh, yes, so interesting. Exactly. So let's get on to the the fifth member. Then we've talked about Matt now, <laughs> just to give him his due in in the story. Uh, the fifth member of the team really is Perrin, um, and and Loyal and their relationship together and what's happening with Perrin because Perrin is a really strong guy who's been uh, really responsible of everyone of every member of the team. He had his own job, his had his own business effectively back in uh, back in the Two Rivers, and now he's kind of been left behind by everybody. Um, yeah. He's got something going on with his eyes. We know that from before, but none of that's come to pass yet. So he's kind of been left on the bench by everybody. Um, So he has the conversation with Loyal. And I really like the the moment with the two of them where Loyal is telling him, well, if you want to help, ask people what you can do to help. Don't try and decide it for yourself. And don't try and tell everybody that they've left you behind. Go and ask everybody if they can, if, if you can help them and then, a, a solution will present itself to you, yeah. kind of thing. So, uh, I, I do like that moment. I also like the uh, like the joke as well, where uh, where Perrin goes, "We can't just sit around here doing nothing." And Loyal responds with, "I'm standing." <laughs> Which is yeah. a good dad joke. Yeah, um, so. um, it, it, it's good here. We're, we're starting to see more and more how Perrin is struggling with the the choice of the way of the leaf um, that he learned from the Tinkers when he traveled with them. That they, they, it is that he do, cannot pick up a weapon. He does not want to pick up a weapon since episode two, mm-hmm. episode one, actually, where he kills his wife. Yes. Um, and he's struggling with that death. And we more and more see we're getting hints that, well, he's going to have to do something. Yeah. He's going to have to. And he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it's that indecision and that inaction that essentially causes the death of or what we presume to be the death of a, a large number of people mm. uh, at the end of this when um himself and loyal are kind of like what do we do we ask so they ask and it's like all right well help help us dig up this horn um to bring back the the fallen heroes at the last battle yeah this was an interesting choice. <laughs> okay go for it so we have the horn of a this item that's being stored uh under lots of granite and cement uh, in the throne room of Faldara, which is dug up by the army because they know that the city's going to be overrun. Yep. And when it's dug up and presented on the ground, they all run out to defend as Padden Fane arrives with some fates. Nobody guards it or nobody picks it up and goes nope. to run with it. They just leave nope. it open, yep. this thing that could potentially cause the end of the entire world or save the entire world when the dragon yep. uses it in the final battle. It, they, they all know the story. They all know what they're doing. If they hadn't ducked that up, because it seemed to have taken quite a long time, they had to enlist Perrin and, and Loyal to help them out digging it up. But if they hadn't dug it up, I presume Padden Fame would have been the one that had to spend two or three hours digging it up yes. with the fates. So they effectively dug something up, which was stored quite well and presented and it in a nice, and, in a nice yeah. little box and, uh, and yeah, hidden for Padden Fame. And yeah. So the, the the one of the things from the books is that, and and the second book is called the Great Hunt, mm. but is this idea that a lot of the different kingdoms in this in this world go on a hunt for the Horn of Valer because there is this. Uh, prestige if if find it and um, because it's prophesized 
that whoever blows um, the horn, sounds the horn at the final battle, mm. uh, whether that's for the light or for the dark, um, that will call upon all the heroes of the, or the greatest heroes, I should say, of the previous ages. Mm. Um, and they will stand and fight with the the side that ultimately have blown this horn at, at the last battle and it's it's prophesized to be at the last battle yes and um, again prophecies can be wrong and and but um again it, it's i kind of really enjoyed this whole element with perrin and pad and fane and that for what it revealed i also was kind of just a little bit it felt just budged in a bit too much with everything else going on. And like you say, and the fact that they kind of did Pan and Fane's work for him, really. Mm. Um, and I was kind of like, okay. But I, I, I like that we get Pad and Fane here. I mean, I love the two fades, certainly the the two guards getting their heads chopped off. I thought that sort of motion from them looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um but it, it felt like, you know, the Shanarans here at Faldara so used to defending against Trollocs and Fades, mm-hmm. even though Fades are more difficult. Um I wish there'd been a bit more fight from them, because I think that that would have just any really <laughs> but it just seemed like oh it's fades and yes they're tough nuts uh to to crack but they are effectively on this front line they're yeah. fighting trollocs and fades and keeping back the the blight that's what they do yeah um, like it did feel like it cut into the room it edited it edited the scene in the room after the battle had happened so you presume a lot of them would have been able to stand up for a moment at least <laughs> against the fades um, even if just one what, of the fades had been taken out. well yeah yeah but, but uh, probably quite a big a big moment of a fade gets taken out as well as we've as we've seen they're pretty powerful throughout the series well i'll tell you what i would have wanted more of pad and fane throughout this season i loved yeah this actor uh in the scene i thought he played such a great role um he's so menacing um i I love just even putting perrin down about his hometown effectively what did you think i was going to your crappy hometown selling lanterns every year you think that i didn't have an ulterior motive going to your crappy place like um i love i love how he's how he's discussing and manipulating and and, and um I, I love that he's having most of this conversation sitting in the uh, in the throne of of uh, of Faldara um it it gives him his own power as a character that we've only seen kind of in the background a couple of lines in the first episode we've seen him in the background throughout the season um a little bit just indicating that he's an important character basically but having this kind of standoff moment with Perrin was really, really good. I'd love to have seen more of him in the season. And, yeah. and we, I'm sure this character is going to be really important in the future. He's, yes. Hell, he's just found a massive weapon that he's going to be delivering to the Dark One. So uh, that'll that'll uh, curry some favour, won't it? Not only a massive weapon in, in the horn, but also he has the dagger there as well. Yep. You see him, uh, Matt's uh, ruby-hilted dagger yeah. he puts in to um into his 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 belt as well so he not only has the horn of valer which could now be utilized by the dark friends the shadow spawn on behalf of the dark one but you have him with that dagger which we know 
all the darkness, the shadow from Shadow Lagoth has been pulled into that dagger. So um, that is a, you know, has potential cons- consequences moving forward. I love that Padden Fane reemphasizes the importance of the Tavir and this idea that all five of them have the part to play, mm-hmm. even if Rand may be the dragon, um, because they're all able to um, alter the pattern that the wheel weaves. I think that, you know, it is the, in, like, it's the other analogy of the loom, that the wheel of the loom weaves a pattern on the cloth that's mm. being formed from it. And that if it's just, depending, if you add in someone who alters the pattern by changing how the design comes out on, on the loom effectively, mm. that it, it, as the wheel turns, they can alter the pattern that is predestined by changing up how the the shuttle moves back and forth and this this is what i really like because to your point as well chris about giving each one of the the five from emmons field their moment the taverin that concept that angle is what gives them each one of them their 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 moment and, and heroic moments as well which i expect will move through um through the rest of the series mm. uh, as much as rand um being the dragon so that was really really cool but yeah i i just them going at the horn of Valer. i i guess pad and fane knew it was there anyway um yes. so Dark so th- there's that and i guess that that was really good i was really shocked that loyal is potentially dead i mean you know pad and fane gives it that kind of that look as he does the twist mm. uh in, in in this episode so i i, I don't know whether loyal may just be injured and wounded and is able to recover we do have Nynaeve resurrected effectively so mm. she is by nature as moraine has said in the past a, a healer uh so hopefully um and i would expect loyal would be back <laughs> you're, but you're right though they did do that traditional uh movie tv thing to show this is definitely the death of the character i have just stabbed him looking you directly in the eye and twisted the knife in, in, in <laughs> exactly. him. That, is, that is usually a thing of tv and movies to say he's dead now you need to chase me down to take revenge yep certainly is this was the shock and awe for me one of the many um, but this was the huge shock and awe for me in that he is a central character yeah yeah like this is not game of thrones that like if no one is safe i get that and that is very much game of thrones but you still need the like he has certain jobs to do right across the rest of these seasons and i don't know how they're going to do it right my assumption is season two, episode one, Nynaeve runs in with Egwene, they heal him, mm. and they have to take him to his steading. And that's how we get to a steading, where it's his home. Right. Um, and again, the, the, highly recommend re- watching the X-ray features where you also get, um, you get more information about steadings and things like that on the O'Gares. Yeah. There's a whole animated episode which is just like six minutes long and beautiful. Yeah, very, very good. Yeah. 
That's how I'm assuming they get there. And then the other option is that they, since they've introduced O'Gears and what they do, the other option is that there's another O'Gear uh, that takes the place of Loyale, <laughs> potentially. Exactly. So, and that's yeah. the other, like, that's how they could be keeping it fresh in that, yeah. here's Loyal's brother. <laughs> he looks almost the same. Disloyal. Yeah, disloyal. <laughs> it's a, it's his twin brother. Mm. Oh my god! With a moustache, although <laughs> evil moustache. <laughs> yeah, although you'd probably think he would join the Dark One by the end of the series if it was yes. called Disloyal. Um, yeah. um, it was shocking for me. Yeah, this, this whole aspect of it. I have. The, I'm with you guys. It, it felt a bit. We've dug it up. I'm done the Dark One's job. Mm. And then they rush and die. Forecasting into the next season, I can kind of see how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Like in that they need to keep certain characters and things and lie everything together. So they, they're slightly origamiing parts of this where they're <laughs> oh, making yeah. folds where there were yeah. no folds before, but it's going, still going to be the same beautiful looking swan at the end yeah it's the previous adaptations and how the decisions they've had to make mean does mean yeah exactly and you could ultimately argue that this could have happened at the start of the next season um as well because of how the differences in just how they've taken and yeah and that's all uh, that's as you say, I think that's the best way. That they're making folds. You're still going to get a beautiful swan, but it's just going to have different folds. Yes, um, but, but one of the things we did mention at the beginning of the season is that there is 15 books, and and when Robert Jordan was writing his his novelizations, he was writing one book and then following it with another, not yep. knowing exactly how it was going to end. But with Rafe Judkins, he knows where it ends. Yeah. And this particular line in here with Padden Fane saying that every one of you five is important to the wheel. You all have something to do here. Even though Rand is the Dragon Reborn, the other four of you have something, have a part to play. We'll show that on screen. If you're Rafe Jokins and you're making this story after knowing how this all plays out, show that every one of them has a part to play in yeah, that story yeah. and show it now. Yeah. Don't have it all being this episode is all about Rand the Dragon Reborn fighting back the Dark One. Every person here has a moment. Okay, Matt, not so much, but they all have a moment <laughs> um, and they've all had a moment throughout the season to make them five essential characters in as the spokes yeah. of the wheel uh, of this show. Essentially, yeah. And that's the, the really interesting thing. I think. But it is a they lot. Are, they, exactly. And I think this could have done this episode, because as we kind of said, wrap up this spoke, this episode could have done with another 10 minutes, I think. I think this About, season could have done with another two episodes. Um, it would have yeah. been even better. If, <laughs> if we could get a 10 episode season, I would yeah. be so happy because there's, they, they, they've rushed, They've slowed down on certain parts where I mm. thought it was right to do, but they've also rushed parts where just giving that potentially two episodes more, or even take, okay, original premise, this episode, 10 minutes more, giving it just that bit more breathing room mm. on a bit more of those scenes, extending them out would have made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Giving this whole season two more episodes where you could have a bit more focus and again not taking into account covid or the loss of mass or anything like that would have just been even better but essentially we are we are at the end of this and we are given this really good ending in that so lan and moraine are together in the blight of the eye and moraine is potentially has no power she is she is mm-hmm. no longer 
potentially an ACDI because she can't channel, and she and she is shielded from um, from that. Egwene resurrects Nynaeve, and they are still in Tarwin's Gap, and we're yeah. just outside Faldara. Perrin Loyal is dead. Perrin is understanding that the way of the leaf is potentially useless because he is essentially just there by himself after seeing his friend die. And Rand has absconded off to the... We don't know where he's gone, but he's gone out into the Blight, which past the Blight is the Threefold Land and the the Wasteland and things like that. So... (laughs) So he's potentially gone to meet the AL. And that's the wrap of season one, where we know that the, the, the potentially the great hunt is upon because they need to find the horn now, which is apparently needed. They, and they have to go back and find Matt because Matt is back in the tower because they're going to need. Now, Perrin is aware of each one of them are important, which includes Matt, who they've lost. So they need to find the horn, they need to find Matt, and they need to find Rand. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is one of the big things about the book. The book always had you <laughs> split the party. Of course. It happens all the time. Yeah. It's, it's in old, every fantasy. You split Absolutely. the party. Absolutely. If you, if you and that's group, what's happening. group characters, you can only explore the world by breaking them up. Uh, yes. Absolutely. But there is kind of a little sort of post credit scene which mm. potentially hints at the destination of the journey and um, yeah. at least for for some part of uh, the second season uh, where we're we're whisked out into the west not to borrow from another fantasy epic um but to the Aralith <laughs> ocean on the western uh, shores and we see all these ships and a load of female channelers with uh, metal-covered mouths um, channeling to create these huge waves and tsunamis against um, the the coastline uh, of uh, Westland um, here uh, in, in this world. Uh, and that whole area um, will most likely feature prominently in season two. I say most likely, I'm trying not to spoil you. It most definitely will, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I'd hope so, because all I could think of when I watched this was, well, I guess people who've read the book, this is for them, but it seems like a massive amount of money to spend on something that only people who've read the book understood, because from my perspective watching the episode, I was going, oh, look at the little girl on the beach doing a sandcastle. Oh, she's about to be destroyed by a <laughs> massive wave coming in. What's wrong with the little girl? Why did these thousands and thousands of boats want to kill this one little girl? Um, if they're supposed to be attacking a country, I would have expected to see, or a city that's on the edge, on the on the western shore, I would have expected to see some structures, some buildings that were up on the cliff, perhaps. But just seeing this one little girl on her own on the beach, I just was going, is she the dark, the dark one's daughter or something? Is that why they're, <laughs> why they're coming in to destroy her? Is that what it is? So one interesting thing, just remember, what was some of the oaths that the Ace of I take? Can you remember one of the main ones? Yeah, there's that they won't use the power to kill. Or as a weapon. Or Unless as a weapon, thing. yeah. So this is, this is one of the interesting things that, they, again, they... they just a bit more, a bit more of a tease could have. Like, you basically seeing a number of channelers using 
the one source, the one power as a massive weapon mm-hmm. creating a, a tsunami. Yeah. Um, these, they are being, they are a huge central piece from the book yeah, being right. moved potentially up like two, three seasons. And I think they're just going to start yeah. the big tease for the next season. Mm-hmm. And like, that's it. And in fairness, as a comic book fan, uh, regularly there has been post credit yeah. scenes in Marvel uh, movies and TV shows that make absolutely no sense until you go and read the wiki page or, or go and uh, or uh, go and two, two films to later. your memory. Uh, and, yeah, and find exactly. Out what it means. Yeah. And it, it's not just here that we're seeing female channels as uh, as Chris has said, creating and using it to create a weapon of destruction with the tsunami, but it is also bringing a whole other culture um, and organization of a culture and mm. um, linked back to um, previous dragons as well. Um, okay, so right. We said no spoilers. No, it, 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 and future, I'm so. not saying anything else other than <laughs> this is an watch uh, this space. This <laughs> is a whole new culture just being given a, a nice little tee up um, for for the next season. I just say an introduction. I don't know whether it was nice or not. Um, I definitely think, and <laughs> well, yeah, from, okay. uh, again, from someone that's just watched the eight episode show that's here i'm really excited that we are definitely getting a season two and i think season three has been confirmed there's still uh there's still some contradicting uh stories about that definitely season two because that's been filmed i think season three has been confirmed but hasn't been filmed yet i think that's that's where season we two are is right not now. finished yet season two is due to be finished in april that's what it is so yes. it's been it's been filming throughout uh this period of covid but was confirmed and season three i think is going to be going into production as well but as it stands even seeing these moments, it doesn't matter too much to me that I didn't understand that that final scene because you're not intended to. No. It is a, a setup for something that when you see all those characters introduced in season two, then you'll go, oh, that was their introduction and that's all, that's all that matters. You'll just watch episode eight of season one and then episode one of season two and they will form a part of an overall story. So that's, oh, that's gotcha. fine with me. Fine with me. Uh, anything else you want to talk about on the episode, guys? One just quick note uh, for me is the ending uh, where Moraine, back in the eye of the world, mm. uh, land comes over and they see the, 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 the basically the eye is cracked. This pedestal that they're standing on, the center of the room, mm. it's cracked. And she says, this shouldn't be possible. Yeah. Uh, um, essentially, and they, I believe, we'll, we, we'll double check that they named the, su- the, the substance, Kurunder. Um, that it shouldn't be be able to be broken, but it's it is broken. Yeah, and and we see that that's the big kind of yin yin yang symbol, the eye of the world that's on yes. the ground. So this is the what, cr- this is the fang and the tear. Right. Yes. That is like the yin yang. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. And um, this crack appeared as Rand and the Dark One were battling above it, and as Rand banishes it by using the the massive. Meant the power that was yeah. channeled through the thousands of of, uh, of former source users, then the crack appears in this. Yeah, so it, it it looked to me like the focal point of that crack, where Moraine takes the piece of the material that Lance says this shouldn't be able mm-hmm. to be formed. It felt to me like that was where the Dark One was standing when yeah. Rand attacked. Him. It was definitely, and I'm wondering then is that purposeful why the dark one ultimately doesn't 
attack. There's no big battle where he's moving around. Is his aim was to utilize that power being channeled by Rand to break one of the seals ultimately on his prison. Right. To weaken it further so he can gain entry into this world in okay. in reality rather than just through the dreams and the images that he's able to the the realities he's able to create. So right. I thought that may explain why you don't have this huge showdown. Because there is an intent there from the Dark One to weaken the bonds that are keeping him locked up at the Eye of the World. Okay, interesting. Interesting. I know that we. I know that this is what Moraine says makes her realize this is the only the first battle of many. The final battle is, battle is a long way away, and that's what we heard from Padden Fane that we we heard that this yeah. was just the first battle. Um. So. Uh, so interesting that that's that that's the realization. I'm not I'm not sure whether that comes across in in the scene itself between Moraine and Lan. Um, but no, uh, the the big thing is just that it, something that is unbreakable has been broken. Right. Yeah. Be it by the Dark One, be it by Rand, be it by the One Power. Something mm. that should not be possible happened has happened. There. Yeah. And uh, again, just the the material type. Think of it as like unobtainium or. Uh-huh. Um, adamantium for any of our Marvel fans, mm. or uh, what's the one in um, Valerian Steel for Game of Thrones? Mm-hmm. And I can't think of the Lord of the Rings one, the 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 the, the elf steel. It's that kind of mithril. So there you go. I got all of them there in the go. end. There, there you go. That unbreakable metal. <laughs> yeah, got absolutely. broken. Absolutely. Um, I, I've just got one other note to talk about that we haven't talked about so far. And that it's just because of Lan in this episode. I really liked Lan throughout this episode. He didn't fit into any of the points that we have. Just his moment with Moraine that's there. But his moment with Nynaeve, I think, is fabulous. Oh, good. Um, yeah. Where he effectively has lost everything. We learned earlier on in the season that he's lost his entire um, legacy. He was a, a potential king in a, in a city that was lost. So... Um, he then went and joined Moraine and became her warder, which he's now lost that connection between the two of them. We find out at the end of the episode that can't be restored. She, because she has no connection to the source, she can't, she also can't restore the connection with uh, her warder. Um, but he also lose, loses Nynaeve here as well. Um, their relationship was kind of, had, had gotten together. They'd become, uh, very close. They, they had been together in the, in the previous episode, but he's effectively saying to her, now he knows. She's a wisdom. She can't get married. She can't be with him anyway. But that may change when she becomes an Aes if that's her path. And he kind of gives this absolutely beautiful, um, beautifully worded uh, close down to their relationship, let's say, and end to their relationship where he says to her, I'm going to hate the man that, that um, is with you because he's not me, but I'm going to love him if he makes you happy, which I think is a lovely yeah. kind of uh, ending point. Lana's is effectively saying that, my destiny belongs somewhere else. Don't wait for me if you do feel that you can have a relationship with somebody else when you become an Aes Sedai, but I will hate him, and then I'll love him if it makes you happy. Um, but he also says she's a massively powerful person, massively strong person, and um, it's a, I think it's a great moment between the two of them, and a great moment for Lan as well, and what he and what he's accomplished throughout the series. I think he's, he's become one of my favourite characters in the entire show, and I think he does have a great moment here. That just didn't fit into the major points. Yeah, and it may all change because if uh, Moraine, depending on how long she is um, cut from the one source, because he mm-hmm. says lift the lift the shield um, that's masking their their connection and bond, yeah. and she says I can't. Exactly. So yeah. 
ultimately that might allow a bit of room for Nynaeve. Yeah. The interest the, the, the very big thing is whether she is still stilled, i.e. she has been gentled. Yeah. The the the, fem- the female version of gentling. I stilling. was wondering why you were saying still. Sorry, answer. yes. Okay. Still. Uh, sorry, that is from the, whether she's been stilled, which is her c- connection has been completely cut off and she is no longer ever going to be able to touch the source again. Or she's just been shielded and the shield has been placed and just tied off. And like where what we've seen is when they're shielding, they're controlled, they're holding that shield in place. They're there. The Dark One also has the, the, well, there is also the ability to shield and then tie the, tie the weave off, tie the power off so it just sits there. That, that one thing that ever pet, like a flame. If you build a flame, you can continuously channel that flame there or you tie it off and it just, just the flame stays by itself there until the power burns. So the question is whether she's shielded or stilled. Okay. And that's going to be the very interesting part story for Season two, because if she's stilled, where she goes from there, mm-hmm. she's shielded. How, how does she get her access to the power back yeah. at all? Yeah. If anything. Yeah, that will be interesting to see, definitely. But with that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, weebies and wheelers, I think it's about time we wrap up this show and come to the inevitable question, mm. which really is, we have spoken. Did you enjoy this episode of The Wheel of Time, this finale, this episode eight, The Eye of the World, Derek? I did really enjoy it. I do think it had a lot to accomplish, but and I think unlike most of the shows that we've covered over the last three years, um, we've gotten to the last episode of the season and we've been going, well, I hope it gets a second season because that's got lots of questions to answer. We knew all along throughout the season that there was a second season coming, which does allow them to ask loads of questions that don't get answered in this massive finale with loads and loads of stuff going on. So, um if we had had gotten to this episode like we usually do and we're going, is there going to be a second season? I'd say it was uh, the story that was told in this one episode um, wasn't told as well as it could have been to someone like myself who hasn't read the books. But at least I know a lot of these uh, questions will be answered um, by next season uh, when it comes back. So, uh, so overall, I thought it was pretty stunning. I thought it was up there with, you know, an episode of season two or season three of Game of Thrones. I think the budget has been used amazingly well for this show. Everything is on the screen that the level of detail they're going into in the show is, is fantastic for the first season of a show as well. Um, so yeah, I, I really do uh, think this is highly worth everybody's time to watch this season of the show, but there's loads more to come. Um, which is, which is good to know. Great. Great. Ajana's. You have spoken. I lost this episode, but did you enjoy this episode? I really did. Um, I'd give it four and a half uh, microwaved channelers out of five. Um, <laughs> crispy. Cri- crispy channels. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've just realized what they reminded me of. Oh, from uh, Iron Man 3. The guys from Doctor Strange. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. The um, mindless ones. The... the, 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 the the acolytes of Dormammu, that yes. um, uh, yeah, with the the eyes, yeah. And I also thought there was a touch of um, Iron Man three as well Extremis. with with Extremis as well mm. with it the 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 fire under the skin. Mm-hmm. So um, do you know what it reminded me of? My poor cooking skills sometimes. <laughs> 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 Not gonna lie, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd give it four and a half. Uh, 
microwaved uh, channelers um, out of five. I thought this was really epic. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really liked it. I loved the battle at Faldara. I thought, and having the five women there, um, including Nynaeve and, and Egwene, just sending forth um, the one power was mm-hmm. really good. I loved how it went intimate with the dark one and rand i thought the rand was really good in this that the idea of him struggling i thought he captured that so well uh the guy that plays rand i loved how the dark one was presented and the form he took i i loved all that aspect of it at, at the eye of the world and i just thought they were woven together really nicely and set up a lot of questions which as you say i think the luxury of having a second season Mm. in the bag just adds to that i mean what i would really hope is that um that rafe lee judkins has said this is my story i need the eight seasons that it's going to do and and given this is you know one of amazon's primary um investments and developments that they would go yes you know that that really this is my vision this is how long it's going to take because i do feel until you said it i was wondering and when you said that another two episodes could have really worked i actually do think that and it's primarily for what happens around pad and fane and with the horn of valer i'm not saying it needs to go into the the lengths and the time it takes from the books but it just needs that time to breathe. And I've said that mm. a few times in, in this season. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's really touching on something that I think needs to be given. It, it's a bit more room to breathe. And I think that's what 10 could have done. Um, it, it, as I say, not just what happens there with Pad and Fane, it would have allowed a bit more exploration around Perrin with the wolves. It would have just a few well, little elements. Yes. Yeah, a few little elements here and there. Yeah. Um, a bit more about the way of belief and how that, you know, because I, yeah, I hadn't really made that connection with, say, Perrin sort of embracing the way of belief uh, as much as he has done uh, based around the, his, his killing of his wife at, at, um, Emmons Field mm-hmm. uh, in episode one and something that I didn't really guess it's more the wolf side of Perrin I so far have been exposed to so yeah you know I think that would have helped but nonetheless I think this is a really good final episode that changes things mixes it up and I think they generally work really really well and uh, so yeah four and a half uh, microwaved channelers out of uh, five Mm -hmm. Chris what did you think of episode eight of Wheel of Time I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, any of our long-time listeners will love when I and waited for me with bated breath to say they zigged when I thought they would zag. <laughs> uh, no, they, they, they've adapted and they've pulled elements forward. They've done something different, which kept me on my toes, which was, I was like, oh, they're not doing what I thought they were doing. Oh, this is something different. Oh, this is this. Oh, this is that. Oh, no, but that's not this and that's not that, mm. which I really enjoyed because that that gives me something to look forward to yeah. very much because then I don't know. 
And that's fun. I may know what the end destination is mm. and what it may look like in the end. But really, for me, this was something new that I could watch and could enjoy as much as you guys. So I really enjoyed this. I really had a lot of fun. I thought it could use a bit more time. I think overall this season could use a bit more. My assumption is and my hope is we definitely get season two. And we get a season three. Mm-hmm. And then that momentum carries it forward. Yeah. Uh, because Amazon is trying to break into this. Yeah. Um, and they, they are very much, they have this and the Lord of the Rings. They're going to be the home of fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to be the, the key here. I think a lot of people are expecting this to be Games of Thrones. That will come. The, those elements of nations battling nations, mm. mountains battling mountains, whatever <laughs> way you want to call it, will all come. This was a lot of the setup around giving you the, the, the introduction to the world and the people and things like that. So overall, I really enjoyed this. Um, but yeah, I think that brings us to the end of our discussion mm-hmm. of episode eight. But you know what? We're not the only ones here. We also have feedback from our fellow wheelies. Uh, and first up, we got an email from the one and only Victor Sellers, who had this to say. Season greetings, wheelies. This season finale really struck a nerve with me. What is the connection between the young girl and the tsunami on the western shore? I assume the old tongue was spoken in the opening scene. Yes. I found it impressive and reminiscent of my first conversational Klingon lessons. Excellent stuff, Victor. <laughs> Yes. Love it. Uh, what is in the box Padden Fane took away? More of the crystals Moraine found? Can we consider Rand and company spoke in the wheel with Moraine as the hub? Mm, very good. Could it be that all five of them compose the Dragon Reborn? I feel sorry for Lan. He is really screwed and can't be with Nynaeve. Lost his bond to Moraine and still must protect her. Mm. I noticed Rand had both light and dark streams surrounding him in his encounter with the Dark One. Was this due to the proximity of the Dark One or just a property of the Dragon Reborn? Really good good questions here, Victor. Uh, first and foremost, the, 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 the channeling is, that's Rand's channeling. It's the male channeling. It's the white and dark. The taint yeah. is the dark. So that's just when a male cha- channels, much like Logan in the beginning mm-hmm. of the season we saw. It's that white with the dark kind of t- tendrils around it. Yeah. And I, I know why that can seem confusing because Logan called himself the Dragon Reborn at the yeah. time as well. So it's not just a Dragon Reborn thing. It's not just because he was close to the dark one. It's every male, if you do see them channeling, should have that in there, the white yes. and dark, ever since the world was broken by uh, by Luce. Uh, I know. I can't believe you're saying this. This there is great, Derek. Well done. Uh, as as for the connection with the young girl and the tsunami, um, it's not her pulling a tsunami towards her. It's the uh, channelers on the boat that are creating the tsunami, which is going to kill the little girl. For <laughs> Just a bit. And crumble most of those cliffs, yeah, I guess. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, the box that Pad and Fane took away, that's the uh, that's the horn of Valer, uh, is, is what they're saying. This is yeah. a, a central tool that can be used in the final battle by the Dragon Reborn. Yes, and those crystals Moraine found was the Krulander, the, 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 it's the seal that broke. It's the floor yeah. that broke. Yeah. That's, they're not crystals, that's the substance. That's it. And I'm definitely, um, I like the question, could all five of them compose the Dragon Reborn? Mm. At this moment in time, certainly it seems that Rand is the Dragon Reborn. Yeah. Um, 
but for sure, I still like the notion, and it, it comes to Pad and Fane, you know, to what extent is they've all got a part to play because they are Taviran and they can alter the, the, the pattern of the wheel. Right. Or to what extent I like the idea of, you know, by our powers combine mm. uh, element of Dragon Reborn. Certainly because I'm not that far through the million odd books that he wrote on it. So to me, that's still a really sort of tantalizing theory that it could yeah. be all five of them when the, their powers combine. Um, Captain for sure. Planet. Definitely. Um, there are definitely cooler references than Captain Planet, Chris, aren't there? Well, when our powers combine. Earth, yeah. fire, wind, water. I'd heart. probably go for Battle of the Planets. Um, oh, you could you could go Battle of the Planets. Much cooler Voltron. 80s cartoon. Uh, and Voltron, of they could go left field and say, by the power of Grayskull. They could, but that would also make no sense. It uh, wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you did you did finish a second uh, a second um book of the wheel of time while I we did. were in our uh, imposed lockdown uh, over the last 10 days so you are two books in you yeah, started the I season am. only just one book in just the one begin i started the set the second one um mm. and uh, but now i managed to finish it with the time um yeah. in in covid lockdown so i guess every cloud has a silver line there you go um, there you and go. i have ordered the third book and this season, this eight-episode season, has taken from all three books. Even the even the name Dra- the Dragon Reborn, which is the reveal of Rand as the Dragon Reborn, is in the third book. So, um, so interestingly, it's taking pieces from each of those three books and pulling them into this eight-episode season, which I thought was quite surprising. Yeah, uh, that it would yeah. take that much. But again, when you have the opportunity and you're trying to tell this broad story, you may need to pull stuff forward so that it makes a more coherent story, like this season has seemed to be. Yes, and also Rand and. Um and company are the spokes of the wheel with Moraine as the hub. It's interesting because from this episode, the hub has just been sort of depowered effectively. Um, really, it's not to say she can't sort of control them, but um, it, it's it's interesting because in a sense, um, these five also have the ability um, to be uh, the controlling influence here oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, yep. So... And, and almost Moraine is an agent of them uh, as much as, yeah. you know, she may actually feel they have pulled her to them to assist them as Tavir and, and have altered the pattern. Who knows? Okay. Anything can be said with a wheel of time, <laughs> I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Victor went on with a couple of questions. So we're going to, these are his kind of open-ended five questions. So we'll just finish with this, which is question number one. Where the F were the White Cloaks? Mm. Were they still licking their wolf wounds? They are useless as a tracksuit mafia from Hawkeye. <laughs> Question two. The White Tower has no sense of the impending invasion? I thought they had vision. Why is the Amulet Seat holding them back? Question number three. Lord Jaggard, while very brave, was a bit short-sighted. Uh, question number four. And I have a lot of problems with some of those people, but I will leave it all till after New Year's. Oh, and question number five, Matt, I'm not done with you yet. Much love to the TVPI and our fellow wheelies. Looking forward to interacting with all of you in the new year. Happy holidays, Victor Von Doom. Thanks, Victor. Uh, 
All of those points and more will be answered in season two. <laughs> well, there were some answered in the in the yes, episode. Yes, yes, you're definitely right. The white cloaks are licking their wolf runes. That that battle that happened that that's kind of put them in their place for the moment. Um, so they weren't going to be involved in this battle at at, uh, at Faldara. Um, there is a mention of of why the uh, the Aesodai aren't joining with uh, Faldara in this battle. It's it's just because they haven't called them in for so many years. It's too it's too difficult for them to get word to the Aes Sedai um, to bring them into this. He should have been in more contact with them in the past, is what uh, what the Lord of, of Faldera says. They're also miles away. Yeah. And the only reason it got they got the, 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 the our group got there so fast is because they took the ways. Exactly. Uh, That's other true. people don't take the ways. Yeah. Um, and the White Cloaks, the, the wolves attacked one small company. The question Yeah, true, true. They did not the white the White Cloaks are army, like yeah. army level military kind of group that's true. um yeah. so they are huge they are everywhere this all happens in the space of less than 24 hours right they they arrive they sleep one night they go well because when they wake up ran's already gone and then later that night or that evening the, of the second day um the uh the trots attack yeah yeah there you go but thank you so much, Victor. Yes. Really appreciate you writing in, answering all the, or asking all those questions, I should say, and for us answering. But again, we look forward to hearing more from you in this year, 2022. Yes. Thank you, Victor, for the feedback. Really good. I hope you had happy holidays as well. Mm-hmm. We also have another email through from Coffee and Vodka, who says, Greeting light drunk wheelies. <laughs> the difference a year makes in 2020 near starving for content. Now shows like Foundation, The Nevers, YOY, The Last Man and Shadow and Bone go almost unnoticed in a subsequent surface of it. In this choosy viewers market, the popularity of Wheel of Time is no small thing. Mm. This episode and season have shown it's well earned. Epic battle, evil's test of the champion, and grand sacrifice. All the boxes were fantastically checked. Although raising as many questions as it answers, I think I'm not going to be the only one doing a bit of reading in between the seasons. Mm -hmm. No specific notes other than, wow, just wow, cannot wait for season two. Five Imagine Dragons... Rands, a reeling and breached gaps out of five yes we don't want too many breached gaps of course yep. uh coffee and vodka that sounds like a medical condition uh <laughs> traditional heartfelt holiday greetings from coffee and vodka see you in 2022 mm. peace and take care coffee and vodka Thank you so much, Coffee and Vodka. Yeah. Yes, uh, heartfelt holiday greetings as well. Um, hope you had a great time. And it's great to be here with you, reading your feedback <laughs> on the finale of Season 2 of Wheel of Time in 2022. It is, but um, it is so interesting how many massive shows are out there. You know, it's, 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 it seems like a new massive budget show comes out almost every week now which is yeah. which is huge oh i know yeah. uh, and and it it, it seems like back in 2020 as as coffee vodka is saying it seems like back then we were being told oh well covid's impact in production and everything you're not going to see anything but every single production seems to have found a way to get back to production and get their stuff out pretty quickly we've got a yeah. lot of shows to cover in 2022 as well so uh but there are some great ones i think you mentioned shadow and bone which we didn't cover in the podcast that's a really good uh fantasy show that we uh, yep. we watched over a weekend but because those shows are being being released on netflix that that i think 
tends to have a bigger reason why they just disappear. Like The Witcher Season 2 came out a few weeks ago. Shadow and Bone came out the middle of the year. Yeah. And they're watched over a weekend and then just disappear. Nobody talks about them. Even people who absolutely love those shows. The Witcher Season 2 probably is a bit bigger because it's a Season 2 of the show. But even people who absolutely love those shows binge them in a weekend and then move on to something else yeah. because there's so much content. Shadow and Bone was really good. I, that was my first introduction to that and really, really enjoyed it. Uh for sure, um, yeah. and I mean, there's a whole, there's Lock and Key as well. Yeah, there's all great. these different shows out there. Yellow Jackets that we're watching at the moment, yeah. which is really good on Showtime. Yeah. Um, but Why the Last Man? A, a so stunningly much. good show of the year, and we'll probably talk about that a bit more in our wrap up of 2021. But a stunningly good show of 20, 2021 that didn't even get a second season. Like, I'm made from one of the biggest and most well known comic book properties. You know, it's amazing that it would get to that point. Um, in in how much content is out there, they can just discard the license to a massive show that seemed to be uh, getting great respect from reviewers and seemed to be getting good viewership. Uh, it's amazing that you can just discard that these days, uh, given how much is out there. But thanks so much for your thought, Coffee and Vodka. I'm sure we'll talk, we'll hear from you again uh, on other shows in 2022. Uh, let's pop on over to Facebook. Um, we got some feedback in from Dan Lee, who says, I have multiple issues with the finale, which impacted my enjoyment. They've repeatedly gone on and on about the power of the Dragon Reborn, but we aren't even given a little taste of that, in my opinion. Perrin has been a complete non-character for most of the season, which is a shame as his power seems so interesting. I'm not sure what happened between Egwene and Nynaeve. Did she bring her back from the dead? What's the deal with the super-duper important horn that's mentioned once before being stolen? And who the heck are the boat people? I'm all up for a cliffhanger and loose ends, but I'm currently feeling so unsatisfied with how this episode went down. I think I can understand that, Dan, um, but I, I, I think for me, similar to yourself, uh, there are a lot of questions that are set up here, but knowing at least there's a second season has uh, has prepared me to go, okay, well, they're going to ask more questions than you traditionally would if you're throwing everything at a one-season show to try to get a second season. So uh, yeah. I think I'm okay with with some of the things being left uh, out there as questions. Yeah, I, I, I think as well, I think the whole thing with this, the Horn of Valair, I think absolutely it is kind of just chucked in there. Mm -hmm. And... and Quite frankly, there's an entire book too, all about it, really. And oh, um, so, all, and and it's it's history and, and so on and all this kind of stuff. So, it is really um, quick in there, and I, I think whilst I really liked seeing Padden Fane uh, and everything that he brought in that moment as well, as well as seeing a bit more uh, fade action, uh, it it was just that. It, it did seem superfluous, and I, I think, you know, a lot of what you're saying here, um, like with Perrin, I think could have been handled with a 10-episode um, yeah. uh, season. Um, yeah. You know, old Jeff has got the dosh, so I guess he could have uh, stumped up 20 mil. Uh, he sure. put a rocket in space, so I think 20 mil, an extra 20 mil would have... Done the job quite nicely, Mr. Bezos. <laughs> it will probably come back in three seasons' time and, and forget that there was ever this kind of pause yeah. in the show, of course, uh, as is, because that's going to be another uh, 16 episodes, right? So. <laughs> yep. Thanks, yep. Dan. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. We also have some feedback from Andy Aris, who said, I loved it. I'm sure the podcast will explain the parts I didn't quite understand, especially the opener and the final scene. Mm. I have not read the books. I wish a little bit that they had been two more episodes to expand on some of the story and characters. 
especially Ran's butt-kicking mama. Mm. Feisty Nynaeve has been my favourite character until Ran's mum appeared, yanking capes, knocking guys around, and trying to give birth all at the same time. Awesome. <laughs> I was sad that Nynaeve might be gone, but glad she's not. Thanks for all you do, guys. You're appreciated. Wishing you and all the wheelies a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you, Angie. Yeah, uh, Rand's mother is a butt-kicking mama. That's mm-hmm. probably the best way of putting it. Yeah. So good. What a, what a great opening sequence that Definitely. was. Definitely. Really cool. Thanks, Angie. Yeah, thank you so much, Angie, for the feedback. Hope you had a great Christmas uh, and New Year mm-hmm. as well. Uh, Dr. Bob Phillips says, Gripped. So between us, we think we now have confirmed of the five-headed nature of this gang. Weaponized wisdom brought back to life by the ultimate healer, which is why Egwene wore so much yellow, not just to aid pronouncing her name. (laughs) (laughs) Pacifist wolf, redeemable rogue, circa season four, and the pretty dragon. (laughs) We've got the peddler payoff in spades, a special horn, breaking the unbreakable and a deeply unanswered mystery about why everyone seems to honor the builders except pad in vain oh and the tsunami which would so have been a post-credit scene if wheel of time did post-credit scenes most definitely uh bob uh complete post-credit scene just i guess they don't want to rip off marvel uh in, in this day and age <laughs> and, and probably mess with their auto uh their auto play next episode thing as well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly and um, certainly yes uh Padman fane doesn't seem to honor the builders that much with the little twist of the knife and i i think uh your descriptions of the uh five members of the gang is just spot on yes i realized egwene used to wear quite a lot of yellow she does like it her favorite color definitely yeah yeah great description dr bob thanks so much for your feedback uh jamie lawton says the pre-credit scene again opening an episode with an omg moment it was funny i was watching with my 12 year old son and he says to me three thousand years ago their clothes look modern then the scene at the window hits you I'm afraid I only have a weak D&D reference this week. Pretty sure Perrin is a shapeshifter, which would make him a druid. Though we haven't seen him change as of yet, just his eyes becoming gold. Thanks, Jamie. Well, you almost got to the end of the season with a D&D reference every week. Uh, that's pretty good, right? It's very yeah, good. It's great. <laughs> yeah, really good, Jamie. But just wait for season two. We're expecting one now in episode uh, in season two now. Well, You've started a trend. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And totally with you on the scene out the window, um, for sure. It, it is just really, really cool because of all the stonework around the Tamlin seat and uh, lose the rin. Uh, you just then look out and you have the the spaceships or, or flying cars. Mm. I was ha- I was half expecting to see the Jetsons sort of go uh, <laughs> whizzing past the the window. There you go. Look what we could accomplish if we all worked together, huh? Thanks, Jamie, for feedback. Great to hear from you. Yes, thank you so much, Jamie. And to end our feedback, we have the one and only Steve Brown with a Steve Mill. Hello, Derek, John, and Chris. So sorry, uh, Derek, that you and John are stuck in, in isolation quarantine. Gosh, that's, uh, just terrible. Um, but I, I, I can't wait to hear you guys talk about Wheel of Time, the last episode. I can't wait for next season. We got to see the, uh, the new actor they cast for the part of, oh, what's his name? Is it Ben? Not Ben. Matt? No, Rand. 
right? Oh, it's been, it's only been a few days since I watched it and I'm still like foggy, but I cannot wait to hear you guys uh, talk about it. I can't wait for the next season to see where it goes and uh, what we see with Rand being the Dragon Reborn and uh, now with Moraine and whether she's powerless or if she's going to get her powers back. So anyway, uh, happy new year and uh, hope you guys are well after your isolation slash quarantine. Talk to you later. Thanks so much, Steve. Um, yes, they are here. Yes. Thank you so much, Steve, uh, for the kind words. And mm, um, we were, yes, we were in isolation in another country, uh, trying to seriously, um, get, uh, the, the test required, uh, with the right results, yeah. um, before we could fly back. And so otherwise, uh, luckily for us, um, ha- having been double vaccinated and boosted, mm-hmm. uh, then, um, it was pretty pretty mild and it was uh, but you know when chris was describing that you know uh three thousand years ago in in wheel of time there was all these great advances in, in technology and then the world was broken and we went back to medieval times or before it was like that was just like staying in john's mom <laughs> i know my, my mom um used to have <laughs> wi-fi and internet and then decided just to cancel it because yeah, she doesn't need it anymore at 84 years old and so yes we were <laughs> We were dealing on our, our mobiles with intermittent um, 5G going on, I guess, if if that, dare I say it. But thanks so much, uh, Steve, um, for for those kind words and for the feedback uh, as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Just to, just to point out, um, the, the scene that's in this episode of Mad is actually, uh, I think we mentioned it while we were going through the discussions there, it is actually the original actor who played him uh, in season one. It's just, a, I think they used a, a a piece that was recorded of him earlier on in the season. Um, the actor that's coming in for season two hasn't actually filmed anything yet. He's uh, he's he's on board for season two, and we'll see his appearance uh, at the start of the season. I wonder what they'll do with him. I wonder will they make any mention of the fact that he looks slightly different to uh, to the other. <laughs> I actor hope or they not. do. Yeah, I hope they they have to do so. I'm hoping it's like it basically that he's in the White Tower and someone changes his look. To make him look like someone else, so that uh, essentially he can so the, walk around the White Tower. So the red eyes and die don't don't hunt him down or something. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. yeah, and we have seen that the that, that the Dark One could do that, right? He's changed his face in this episode, so we can see it's in the it's in the universe that people yeah. can change their faces. I suppose so. Exactly. But there you have it. Thank you so much for everyone for your feedback. Thank you, Steve, for the voicemail, and thank you so much, Wheelies, for joining us for this season. Mm-hmm. Um. If you have any other feedback, don't forget you can send it to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com if you want to make sure you keep up to date on all the news. And also, when we come back about the wrap-up, we will also be in doing... We'll also have the results of the Tavern Quiz next week, but you can quickly send them in. If you're hearing this at lastminute.com, you can still squeak in by the line to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Don't make sure you can also join us at Facebook, facebook.com slash TV podcast industries or mm-hmm. facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. We're also on Twitter at TV pod industries where mostly Derek and John are doing all the tweets, but that <laughs> will change. I'll be a bit more involved. 
Absolutely. He always says that. I'm sure he will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. uh, thanks so much for joining us for another season uh, that we've covered on TV Podcast Industries. We have tons coming up this year, but it's just such a weird world now where they don't put release dates on anything. It used to be that things started in September and finished in May. And that's basically what you had. But we have, I think we have something like 10 or 12 different shows and movies that we're going to be covering t- throughout this year. And there's not a release date, as far as I'm aware, for any of them at the moment. I think the only one maybe is Picard at the end of February. Um, But we have four Marvel shows to come out this year. So that means one of them is going to be dropping very soon and with very little uh, upfront timeline being given to it. So it's going to be very difficult for us to plan what we're covering and when. But we'll be talking all about that on our uh, view of 2022 next week. We're talking about all the shows that are coming up. And we might have a couple of release dates to, uh, to slot into your diaries for the year. Yes, but if you've enjoyed what you've heard, don't forget to head on over to patreon.com to support the hamsters in the wheel and our editor in coffee mm. by going to patreon.com slash TV podcast industries, where you can just support us for a dollar dollar bill or a piece of gold, a bit of the true source, whatever way you <laughs> want to support us on a monthly reoccurring fee. Or if you want to do a one-off quick support, you can head on to buymeacoffee.com dot com slash tvpi mm-hmm. and support us with a bit of coffee I like, I like how you said that chris and now doing 101 episodes i think we ended off with in 2021 i did feel like i was an editor in coffee uh, yeah. at some points <laughs> yeah the vat full of coffee and of course remember fellow wheelies you can head on over to subscribe share the podcast because sharing the podcast is sharing mm-hmm. the love as well any support you provide whichever way you choose to do it is really very much appreciated and as derek said kept derek going in 2021 with coffee uh intravenously dripped into his veins yeah. uh, as well as supporting uh, all the shows that we cover all the podcasts that we do mm-hmm. uh, with all the technical elements uh, and the hosting and all of those different elements for for the podcast. So, yes, a big thank you again to all the people that support us, however you choose to do it uh, in 2021. And we really look forward to uh, discussing more and more stuff in 2022 with you as well. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again next week. Speak to you again soon. Yes, thank you so much, fellow wheelies, for joining us. As always, great discussing everything about the Wheel of Time. Now, there is no beginning or endings, but this is the end of the podcast Mm -hmm. for season one, at least, of The Wheel of Time. And just remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep wheeling. Bye. 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 As usual, with the final episode of a season, we will play out with the song we've been using all season as our theme for Wheel of Time. This is the full version of Scott Holmes' music, Epic Cinematic. Really, really good tune. That uh, that we were able to use for Wheel of Time Season 1. See you next season.